Finds Depay. Memphis Depay. Goes for gold. Done just that, he scored! Juninho's done it! Oh, the stadium has erupted here. The relief is palpable all around. There's Nabil Fick here. Shoots and scores! Well, there's a finish in a half from Nabil Fick here to double the Leon lead. Two minutes before half-time. And Manchester City in real trouble on the opening night of the Champions League. Oh, it's in again! It's Dembele again! And he's come off the bench to score twice! Bonjour, welcome and beyond for new to the Football Well English podcast. I'm your host Liam, as always, I'm joined by Tom. How are things with you, Tom? Good. Obviously, really positive result this weekend, so obviously everything's positive. Yep, as ever, always, another positive episode of the Football Well English podcast. And, as always, I'm joined by Jonathan as well. How are things with you, Jonathan? Everything's really good, another uh, amazing weekend, really cheered us up. Yep. I'm sure it was the highlight of your weekend. Luckily, I had the uh, the pleasure of being in Rome watching some decent football this weekend so I didn't have the uh, the painstaking pleasure of watching Leon get defeated by Strasbourg of course we'll be dissecting that in today's episode and also discussing something a bit more serious in terms of the club's face reputation obviously in the women's game OL's always had a high reputation one of the best teams in the world but recent recent the recent case with Sarah Bork Bjork Gunnar I think I've got the pronunciation there. Um, doesn't paint the club in a good light at all, so we'll be dissecting that and what it means for Von Samponso, alas, everybody else, and just talking about how bad that story really is. But speaking of bad things, Strasbourg, I've not watched the game, I'm not going to be honest, so I'll let you two take the, take the precedence in dissecting what it sounds like another abysmal performance from the three-minute highlight clip I watched on YouTube. Was it just the same old, same old, Tom? I will give them credit for trying. Um, there is, There was a bit more attacking motivation that might have come through Strasbourg just completely giving up and capitulating. Um, we were fairly unlucky a few times. I mean, if you look at both the second goal from Strasbourg and um, you know, a really, really big opportunity we've got at the end of the game, you just see that our, the luck is not on our side. Um, not saying that Leon should be lucky to be winning against Strasbourg and needing luck to do that, but um, there was an element of like that ball could have got in and Sells did a beautiful game and so on. Um, really poor perf- individual performances throughout the park. Um, one or two positive performances. I mean, Shirky once again. Um, doing his best for the highlight reels from Maro Toriso uh, on Twitter again every time. Um, but 
other than Cherokee, I mean, Lacazette keeps his head high, but he's not. He's getting a lot of criticism at the moment for not being a motivational captain, which I think is a bit harsh. But he is, um, I think, fourth top scorer in the league or something along those lines. Eleven goals and four assists, which. Uh, is pretty decent return. We did expect him to be aiming for 20s by the end of the season, which I think he'll probably get with the amount of penalties we're getting at the moment. Um, so good on us for, for scoring a great penalty and having some chances, but it was another pretty sad performance. And you know what? I will re-watch the game today, um, having missed it on Saturday. Um, and we totally expected uh, a loss. Uh, Jonathan predicted this in the episode. Um, so, Jonathan, take it away and, and, you know, tell us how terrible it was. I predicted the perfect score, too. I was just going to say it was a 100% prediction. Uh, Not something to be no, proud of. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to be right. And also... It wasn't like I really. Um, it's not how the match went or how I thought it would go. You know, I thought Lyon played well. Honestly, Lyon didn't play like the other matches. It wasn't uh, uh, the first thirty minutes were embarrassing. You know, you really thought they they were trying, they were playing well, they had chances. But you know, it's what happens when a team is struggling. They just they find ways to lose. You know, they conceded a really beautiful goal, the first one, and then the second one is just a complete just dumb mistake and then everything goes wrong and Gusto can't kick it out and he falls over himself. It's just, it's kind of stuff that happens when you, when you just don't, are not winning. And then I think after that, they didn't play well enough. You know, I think the beginning was good, but this, once they conceded 2-0, there wasn't enough, you know, this is, this is urgent. You know, usually there wasn't enough players in the box. There wasn't enough substitutions. It wasn't everyone there. You know, we're just going to keep crossing it over and over and over again and just have, you know, many people in the box until they, they crack. And it wasn't really like that. The goal was a handball at the edge of the box that was arguably not even a penalty kick. I mean, it was, we didn't even create a real scoring opportunity. That was just, that was it. Um, and so, disappointing result. Not really sure who to blame at this point. At this point, they, you know, and I, I've said this before, I'm not sure what the rest of the season is for. It's not really, um, the results of the match don't really matter anymore, which is why Blanc, doesn't make any sense because we don't care about the points anymore. I mean, the points are over. We're never going to catch up. So the the, well, the goal of the rest of the season is to play well and to create a, a core of players. And so I'm not sure what he's doing because he keeps changing the core. But, you know, Strasbourg was disappointing. And in one way, I kind of felt happy for Strasbourg because it's one of those things where I want to give them points, you know, like they're generous, that they deserve to not. I really don't want them to go to Ligue 2. So... You know, it was good for them. The fact we're taking positives for another team's success is um, is really clutching over the performance. In terms of the, I guess, the goal, I mean, the the first one's just a bit of brilliance from Jean-Houd's uh, Aoulou in terms of the finish. It's, he doesn't score many goals, but when he does, they're usually really good ones, and that's a terrific finish. I don't know, you've just got to put your hands up and say that's a good goal. But the second goal is... It's catastrophic. What what's what's going on with the defending there, Tom? Um, I mean, being taken in the back and 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 behind yourself is 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 one thing. Um, but there are so many cases where Gusto could clear that. Like the uh, the OLTV commentator was like, "Why are you panicking? Why are you panicking?" And it just it just blows my mind. Um, and I think it's another statement of. 
Gusto's really poor performances over the last you know, few months. Um, there's been some good ones at the start of the season. Um, I would put, I'm not going to throw away the rest of his season, um, but most of them have been below par, if not terrible, and he got injured again, so it means we're getting Kumbedi once again. Um, so a lot of, of Augusto's um, <laughs> how, okay, well, according to Liam, uh, Augusto got an 8 and man of the match on sofa score, which either says a lot about what I'm watching or what sofa score is watching. Um, I, I don't know, but um, he, he was awful. And and there were so many chances he could have cleared at, and it went in anyway. It felt like no one really wanted to kick it out. It's just an OL goal. It's a typical OL goal. I mean, five years ago, or seven years ago now, we should have conceded that type of goal uh, by Ocampos at the Velodrome. And for some reason, because there was no um, Hawkeye at the time, uh, no goal, goal line technology, um, goal didn't count, but it's the typical scramble in front of the goal mouth uh, type of goal that OL always concedes at least five or six times a season. So, I don't know how many it's been already, but uh, hopefully we don't concede more of those in the near future. Yeah, the, it doesn't paint a good light on Thiago Mendes or Gusto, the way they both fail to deal with the ball over the top and then yeah, I just don't even know. Trying to defend a goal line in that situation, Gusto's on his backside trying to clear it with his legs. You're never going to get a conviction on the clearance and then Lopez is flopping around. It's just it's not very all-round. Is that just something you think's unlucky in that situation, Jonathan, or is it something that Blanc needs to address quickly? I mean, on that goal, Gusto is not the primary responsible. I mean, he's the gag because he can't kick the ball and everything, but the fact that Tolisso, and I forget who the other defender is, gets completely beat by one goalkeeper pass, those that's the fault. That's the mistake. And um, Oh, Thiago Mendes, yes. Okay, well, that uh, makes sense. Um, but yeah, they both get beat on a ball. Those That's the mistake. And that's something when you are coached well and you uh, know what to look for, you don't make that mistake. And, you know, it's just, uh, to me, poor coaching. Can we actually say that anyone has progressed since Long has arrived, you know, Cherki's the only one who got playing time. And so you see a little bit of, you know, difference compared to Bosch. But everyone else seems to be exactly the same. And um, I think, you know, like yeah, I see that Kumbedi also, but Kumbedi just also didn't play. So it's also easy to go from something to when you're coming from nothing. But yeah, so that's something that Long should be coaching defensively. I don't think we had a clean sheet in a while except the 0 0 against Nantes, you know. Wonderful, but really, we're we're. I don't think we're progressing, and that's really what's concerning. I love how he summed that up as wonderful. It's just um, it just reminds me of pure sarcasm, but in in the sense of the word that that is is wonderful. I, there, there was a stat on the highlights I watched that um, there are only four managers in Leon history to have this record after nine games, and one of them is Silvino. The last one was Silvino, and he was sacked. At this point so if you're looking in that record it might have been this century the the um the record i don't remember the exact stat but in terms of four defeats in nine games it's the um it's the same as silvino how bad it is i did the math and in the last i think 14 matches we have like 12 points something like that that's relegation for so i calculated if we do the same pace for the rest of the season 
were at 41 points <laughs> with, with, with a four team re, a four relegation we're right there so i'm th- seriously it's, it's really bad right now we're really you know we're laughing at everything but it's really terrible on that some uh, that jonathan's just enlightened us with and the the same record of Silvino, which saw him sacked after nine games. Tom, would you be inclined to look elsewhere for management, or do you just think we've got to sit out this tough period with Blanc and let him get his um, his style across? Although it is worth noting, he was massively underperforming and had a really terrible record at Al on his last job before this as well. I, you know, um, yes, we've discussed many times sacking the managers, and I've always stood by the argument of. Who do we bring in next? And that always uh, shows whether we improve because we were all gun ho to say we should take Peter Bosch out. And I think it was the right decision. But seeing how it is at the moment, would it have been so much worse with Peter Bosch? I don't know. Uh, I'm not saying bringing him back. I'm not like everyone saying, oh, let's bring back Rudy Garcia. Let's bring back Bruno Genesio and all that stuff. Let's not do that. Um, As much as Bruno Genesio is apparently able to win every week against PSG and needs to explain to us how he does it. Um, but there's, I, you know, I don't want to jump onto the, 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 the sacking wagon. Um, I saw a very, this is a small tangent, but it's a cute video of, of these kids celebrating their dad becoming assistant manager for Cardiff City. And then they're really excited. And then, you know, they're all really sad as a family to see him being, uh, sacked a few months later and it's like oh yes well we need to understand that Laurent Blanc has probably people around him and it's it's really sad but you know the, the system manager was like 25 or 30 Laurent Blanc has been through so many experiences I think he, he can take a, you know, a sacking after being this bad um, so yeah as Liam says Garcia was a blessing compared to this but you know I don't know if the relationship between the manager and the, the, the board was better so i guess at least it's healthier up there <laughs> but it's still not healthy on the pitch so um i think we we grind it out and we we get in one or two bodies uh, in january as much as i don't believe that's going to happen um but we need we need the structure uh, i know he tried something new with with a free at the back but i really don't see how that's <laughs> the solution um the Jumande, Lukeba, and, and, and Lovren sounds pretty sexy, um, but I really don't see that happening again. Yeah, there are two points you made that I just want to follow up with the question and get your thoughts as well, Jonathan. You you said the, the relationship is healthier at the top. Could that be confused with equally delusional in the fact that Blanc is very on the same wavelength as the horrible directors we're going to talk no, about well, that, that's completely that's yeah that's completely fair the fact that Garcia didn't get along with the board was a lot due to Juninho who understood that things were bad mm-hmm. so um that that's an element to it obviously but I'd rather I don't know do we prefer being absolute chaos within the club and outside the club or just outside the club to be quite honest I don't know it's throw it all on there. They sometimes say losing Darwin Nunes as an example. Liverpool fans say chaos is great, so bring us more of it. It wouldn't make a difference to what's happening on the pitch, to be honest. The second point I wanted to bring up is the fact you mentioned the back three formation. For me, it feels like we're trying to fit square pegs into round holes. Do you really see 
things moving forward, Jonathan, after nine games where Blunt's actually managed to, one, you know, dictate what his best team is. I think maybe that's difficult after 10 games, but or which way he wants to play. It just feels like he's trying to do things day by day, opponent by opponent, or based on the last game or performance, no? Yeah, that's what happens when you have a coach that doesn't have a set idea and a set plan and a set style. You know, nowadays it's very in to have coaches that have a really specific style and they bring it everywhere they go and right away they play the style and you can see it. He Blanc doesn't have that. Blanc, Blanc just is a pragmatic in his mind coach who just gets the, in his mind gets the best out of players and, you know, is, has a good relationship with other players and that's how he sees himself. So the fact that he's a three-man, two-man... He'll change the, the, the formation every time because he doesn't really have any ideas. He's just trying new things to see if it works. If it works, he'll play, try it again. If it doesn't work, he'll change it. And, um, you know, it, it just shows that he's not the modern coach that of this generation anymore. You know, it, the, these coaches have gotten so amazing. They watch so much tape. I mean, you know, they, they, they stay up all night. They, they are, are experts at everything. And, and that's not him. We all know that that's not him. And, and, and interpretation has always been that his assistant does all the work and he does some things and, and manages the relationship with players, but he's not the one watching all the tape and doing all the decisions and, and saying the practice and all that stuff. So, you know, I'm not saying Blanc should leave because at this point, like I said, he's a caretaker coach for the rest of the season. All we got to do is just survive and rebuild over the summer. But I just don't think that that's something the club is even seeing. And I think Olas is too stubborn. Olas, at that press conference when he announced Blanc, Blanc was like ridiculous. I mean, he was saying how, you know, this is the best coach. I've wanted him for years. I should have gotten him years ago. You know, it's like he's not going to, after 10 games, be like, yeah, I made a mistake. He's 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 over, he's done. So we're kind of screwed. Um, I just hope that for Blanc, he gets a few good players in the lineup during this window and and that changes things and makes it easier for him. You know, kind of like when Garcia got Guimaraes and Paqueta. If you get two players of that caliber, then it's easier to just be a, a good coach. You know, it's just, he just needs a little help and they will play and, and they'll be good enough because the squad is good enough to be a mid-table league. I mean, let's be real. It's, the fact that it's hard to be mid-table is, is really sad. So I'm just hoping we can close a few deals. There's a few names out there and just, uh, you know, hopefully that makes a difference. Yeah, I, some of your comments today, Jonathan, are breaking me inside. Like, the fact it's hard to be mid-table league and just makes you feel what the club has come to. But you're right, we need some form of investment in the transfer window. Obviously, we've seen that some so far, uh, which leads on to my next question for you, Tom. Obviously, Dijan Lovren's played twice now for Leon. Once against Nulls, clean sheet. This, where the back line was sus- suspect for the goal we've spoke about. Um, do you think... That's the sort of signing we need to be looking for. More senior, experienced pros. Or for today, for example, there's been uh, reports from Brazil and now in France in the last hour or so saying that we've been linked with João Gomes, a midfielder from Flamengo in Brazil. Do you think they're the sort of profiles we should be looking at or we should be looking to replicate more experienced signings like we've made in the past with Boateng, Shakiri, and Lovren in this transfer window? Well, I will say is that you can you've got to differentiate experience and experience. So when you bring in Shakiri, who shows no will to to train hard and and show anything on the pitch, or you show up with Boateng and it's like, what the hell is going on? 
And then you do see some of the tackles that Lovren is making at the last minute, uh, really high up the pitch and showing some sort of leadership. That I think is a slightly different type of signing. So if you are going to bring in, whether it's youth or experience, you need to bring in someone who's got, you know, determination to to improve the situation. Now, does that come from youth? Not necessarily, but you did see that with Bruno at times. You know, uh, Bruno uh, remember coming in and being really young, but if things weren't going really well, he, you know, let's say. And motivate the players. Obviously, he was a captain at youth level and a captain um, in Brazil. But that leadership is not given to everyone. But it can be given at a very young age, like it can be given at a really old age, and vice versa. You could have really experienced players who just fly by games and don't really show anything. The Silva is a really good example of that. Thiago Mendes as well. So, um, yeah, it's it's all about the right attitude, uh, motivating the players around him because the quality is there. Um, some patches uh, don't have any quality whatsoever uh, in the field, but uh, when you look going forward, because that's often what's going on, is that we're <clears throat> not scoring enough and we're, we're conceding a lot. But if you have good leadership at the back and a positive attitude going forward, then it, it, it's a bit better. Um, we know that because that is not the most vocal captain. That's the way it is. Um, it's not in his character, but um, if you can have someone else around him, like a Toliso, um, who might be getting a bit more out of character and pushing himself a bit more forward, then maybe it gets better. So I don't know whether this Brazilian has the right attitude or just quality, but quality and right attitude is what we should be aiming for, whatever age it is. Good answer. Yeah, I think the the examples of Boateng and Shakiri that come from the top of my head, neither of which signings have worked, and we could kind of tell after six months that was the case. Seeing to like, not obviously the qualities there, they've both had esteemed careers, won Champions League, World Cups in Boateng's case, um, but at Leon things haven't worked out for one reason or another, and that does seem to be down to whether the motivation's gone or, you know surroundings i'm not too sure obviously bulletings are different things going on in his personal life which we won't be discussing but from that side of things it's not it's not great when those sorts of transfers don't go well because they take lots of financial input obviously bulletin and shakiri are big earners um i'm sure lovren is going to be a big earner as well considering the contract dispute we had at leon uh, at liverpool apologies but the promising sign is that he's probably going to be a bit more of a leader at the back. And as you say, with last-ditch tackles, last-ditch interventions, <clears throat> that's the positive side of things. But again, it would be nice to see us bring some more youth or players approaching that prime of 27, 28 into the squad rather than going back for the same players in 33, 34. Um, I guess from your side of things then, Jonathan, before we move on to uh, the case of Sarah Bjork, uh, Gunnar Stottier, what would you like to see us bring in in the transfer window? Well, we talked about this before, and and I just um, it depends what I want. Me as a lover of Lyon and, and amateur uh, football scout, um, it, it's different than what the the club is looking for. Blanc is looking for experienced, uh, I guess, experienced midfielder. Apparently, and they don't they don't tell us, but that's what an experienced midfielder to play defensive midfielder and a, a right back to 
to challenge Gusto, who's also experienced. And that's all they've told us. They haven't told us they're looking for anything else. They look, haven't told us they're for a winger or a strike or anything. So if that's the case, then, you know, I just, um, you know, I really think that right now Lyon needs quality, you know, and we need player who can come in and right away be better than it was. And I think Lovren turns out to be like, you know, a, a good signing because besides all this personal stuff that we talked about, he is an improvement. You know, he is better than Diomande. I don't think there's any doubt. No one's going to say Diomande is better than Lovren. So you come in and right away you have an improvement at a position that's crucial for us. Um, so that's good. I just, in the midfield, I have a hard time. We have Kekre and we have Tuliso. Okay. Two super popular and, and good players in Ligue 1. Are you saying that we're going to get a player who will play instead of them? Or are you saying there's going to be a, a third midfielder? And if, if you're saying there's going to be a more defensive midfielder than those two, then where's the creation going to come from? If you have a defensive midfielder and Toliso and, and, and Kakre, then we're not going to create anything in, in the midfield. So that takes away the Cherokee's position. So I don't really understand what the goal of that is, unless you're saying that the guy's going to be better than Kakre and you put Kakre on the bench. I don't really understand that. So to me, I've always said I want a, a left winger who can challenge Tokoekombi. Not saying you have to immediately bench Tokoekombi. You know, he has his problems. But someone who is challenged Tokoekombi to really honestly say, this guy is better. Because Barcola is, it's, you know, we're Lyon supporters and we love our youth, but it's not even fair to say Barcola is better than Tokoekombi. We can say we want rotation and we want to see him more, but he's not at, you know, this part of his career better than Tokoekombi. It's just the motivation sometimes is lacking. Um, but we need someone at that position where you can clearly say, yeah, he, he is pro- probably better than him. And so we want improvement at that position. Someone who can score goals, because we need more gold. Like if it's on his own, no one else is scoring. And so that's what I'm looking for. You know, I, I made a joke in the last uh, podcast about, you know, I said Kylian Mbappe, even worse. I said a player like him. That's not, not in terms of the quality, but in terms of the positioning. Someone who's a left wing who can score goals. And that's what I'm looking for from, from Lyon. And I don't think they have the scouting. And I don't think they have the budget to get a player that needs that unless they get really creative. And um, there are players, you know, players in, in Scandinavia, stuff like that, that are very impressive. But Lyon doesn't have the scouting department to get them. So, and it doesn't fit Blanc's experience. You know, I'm already experienced and already good at, at this point. So um, I really think that unless, unless Texter just comes out of nowhere with a, a really solid, um, you know, if investment and he says, I'm going to give 40 million at this transfer window and you can make a big difference. Then yeah, we can we can improve. But if not, we're just gonna get players who are similarly leveled, and it's just gonna be not make any difference for the for the club. So I'm not that positive um, because you know of the management of the club. So let's just um, I, I hope for a left winger. I really think that everyone needs uh, Toko needs a challenger. I'd agree on that front. Although again, when you say finding a top sided left winger who's going to come to Leon, they've they've giving them credit where credit's due. I suppose they saw an opportunity with Tete to bring him in on the circumstances of everything that's going on in Ukraine, and that's turned out to be, in my opinion, quite successful in terms of his contributions. Something of that ilk, even if it's short-term. Tokwa Kambi was initially alone. His career started off pretty well. Things haven't gone so well. Something like that would be good. What about you, Tom, before we move on? Is there anything you'd like to see the club do in the transfer window, or what would you like to see them do? Yeah, I mean, other than just the position and needs filling, I think we need something else from from the left wing. <clears throat> Toko Kambi is, you know, not in the right mindset at the moment and needs time off. Um, 
maybe you know I'm, I'm not we've not seen what can come back to but Sancho for example has been out for a few weeks now taking time to train by himself have a therapist follow him and so on and maybe because we know the quality is somewhat there with with Toko Kambi we we've seen it in the past he was top scorer for the club I think two years ago um, so maybe he just needs time off to train by himself train properly on the shooting and, and gain back confidence again. And maybe when he comes back and starts showing better things, then the public um, will follow him. But at the moment, the attitude isn't good and um, the mindset isn't there. So, <clears throat> yeah, I guess it's on the left wing. We need a bigger challenge. But what does it say to Barcola? You know, it's not saying that Barcola is the solution, but uh, if you put in another winger there, then he's never going to play. Um and I think the same thing for for my favorite on the other side. You know, um, you know, Favre may, might need a new challenge uh, on loan, or he might need some time off to to think about stuff and get therapy, maybe. But there's the quality is there in midfield. It's there somewhat in attack. So uh, let's try and bring someone in on the left. I guess. Yeah, the the left seems to be a problem area, especially after. The incident against Strasbourg, where Tuchel can be walked down the tunnel, I'm sure you've seen it. We don't need to describe it in detail, but beyond that, you're probably looking, as you said, Jonathan, somebody in midfield. I don't think that's a massive priority, and I was doubtful about Kumbedi's, I guess, responsibility as a backup to Gusto, but with what we've seen from him since the World Cup break, I wouldn't say that's a major priority either. I'm really impressed with what we've seen with from him, obviously, Gusto looks like he's going to leave in the summer, so maybe forward planning, it wouldn't be the worst thing, but possibly that can wait to the summer. So I'd agree, a new left-sided forward would be uh, would be ideal at this stage if we're going to achieve anything this season, even even something in the Cup. I guess moving forward, or I guess moving backwards in terms of the club's terms, I'm sure we're recording this on Tuesday, an article's been released with it gets difficult to say every time. Sarah Bjork, Gunnar Stottir, a former uh, Olympic Lyonnais women's player, now playing for Juventus, formerly of Wolfsburg as well, um, who won the Champions League, spoke about living her childhood dream on the Players' Tribune. I'm going to leave a link to the article in the podcast description so you can read her story yourself. Um, but then talks about after the Champions League, finding out she was pregnant. Obviously, anybody, I'm sure yourself, Jonathan, who's recently a new dad and your wife, obviously having children, um, feels that excitement that they're going to be a parent. She had all of that and then instantly it hit her. Obviously, pregnancy in women's football is it's an uncomfortable subject. It's not been explored. Taboo, that's the great word. Thank you, Tom. In terms of how players are going to be dealt with by the club in terms of payment, in terms of time off, obviously in regular employment, maternity and paternity leave are there to protect employers, to protect employees. But in women's football as athletes, it's not to the same degree. It was only within the last 12 months in the WSL that proper maternity cover has been, re- uh, been reciprocated to the, the players at the top two levels of English football. In Leon's case, they've not dealt with this well at all, saying they'd threaten to lit, essentially release her from the football club if she reported about her unpaid wages, which 
the situation is OL didn't pay her for the first two months after she went back to Iceland to have a baby with her family closer to doctors that she understood the language of. Um, and then after getting in, com- in constant contact, they said they would pay three months of her salary and then after that it would stop. Um, I don't know if that's the correct law from your side in terms of maternity law in France, Tom, if you've got any understanding of that. but that's I don't have the... The full details on on the athletes side. I know, as you said, you know, maternity and paternity leave is is a pretty common thing, and you get support from the employers on on that end, and you get the time off and so on. But obviously, it's um not something that Leon have tackled before, mm-hmm. um, and not obviously, I think everyone can understand that it's something new. Um, you know, as soon as she yeah. announced it to her teammates there was like excitement but also oh my god what does this mean because we've never tackled this before in the club they have tackled it since and with far better um, approach you know seeing how Amel Majri has, has been treated you know she came out of um, she came she was uh, out for injury with an ACL injury and she got pregnant uh, more or less in that time and only recently came back to play this weekend and was greeted with huge applause and celebration from the club, uh, whether it's when she announced she was pregnant or when she came back. So you can imagine that she had the proper pay. And, you know, from my recollection, she's a, you know, born and bred Leon um, uh, graduate and so on. And, and she loves the club and the club loves her. But um, I guess it was more or less in the same time frame uh, that uh, everything happened with with Sarah, uh, so you, you sort of wonder where the hell did it go wrong? And seemingly, according to the article from again, not a wonderful article from Players Tribune, as much as it goes down to the player and her telling the story, it's good that the Tribune is giving a voice to these players. Um, it seems like it's down to to Vassal Ponso, who refused to give any news or to talk much to her or her agent. Um, and within the club, there was dysfunctionment as well on that end. Um, Olas didn't greet her at all when she came back because, well, he didn't take the high ground at all. Um, surpassed the situation, the fact that she took uh, action with Fifth Pro, which again is taking more and more action these days and, and implementing new laws to improve these situations. And that's a wonderful thing. But you can't just completely neglect a player where you know you're completely in the wrong. Um, and the club just said, "Oh, we respected French law," uh, which is completely ridiculous. Um, and it's clearly not what French law is. But um, I don't know if you, Jonathan, know much about the French law system on that on that extent. But it's clearly a big wrongdoing on that side. Right. I mean, I think it's clear. You have to read the. Uh... Her message carefully her her article you know she says that after her pregnancy they didn't pay her at all at first you know she had to get a lawyer and send a formal letter formal letters before they even accepted to pay the first two months which they then paid later you know so their plan at first was not to pay anything so i think this french law stuff or i don't really know the exact amount of months french law but i know french law is pretty generous um i have a hard time thinking that and it says in the article here that they pay two months and then, but for the third month, he says how they're going about French law, meaning they don't owe me anything else. So it looks like they're saying they're going to pay two months. And I don't think that that's correct. And also I know that 
for sure in every concept of maternity leave all over the world is you can't fire someone or, or let them go because of their leave. You can't say that because you're having a kid, you're no longer part of the club or you're, you're you know, basically force them out of, out of the club because of unpaid wages. So it looks like to me that Lyon definitely broke the rules, even if they, you know, they intended not to keep her because they intended to pay her. If they, if they wanted her, they would have kept paying her. So um, it's a really bad look for Lyon, really bad for the feminine side, which is one of the only good things we have going on as an organization. And so the fact that now that's going bad, let's just hope that it's um, it's fixed. And then what bothers me the most, of course, is always the communication of Lyon. Lyon has terrible communication. The fact that now they're going... I already saw some um, on the OL, uh, what's it called, the uh, Twitter page. They're already, you know, Paul Sobeke comments about how, you know, they support her fully and, you know, they're great for her and they just want to respect French law. And it's just sad. It's sad that we come to. And we said this many times, it impacts everything in this football club that we need modern leadership. And Olas is not modern leadership. Even right now, actually, I was just reading his comments on Legret. About today, he has an article in L'Equipe talking about how, you know, he's treating the whole thing. And even then, it shows the mentality is is, is not the current mentality for most people, how they see these things. He, he's he's too old school. He's too, too conservative. He's not willing to defend, to say stuff straight up, you know, what needs to be said. And so, you know, it just, I hope Texter, I know it's very unlikely, but I do hope that at some point Texter can listen to us, listen to any other English-speaking Lyon fan and, and hear from himself a different perspective because all he's getting is the information from Texter and, and Sheu and Ponceau and I need him to see that there's the club would do much better with a whole new leadership of young bright people and so I hope that, that that can happen someday because it'll help everyone you know in every part of the club yeah we, we've spoken I guess for obviously on our podcast, we cover the men's side strictly more than the women's side. We've spoken about it in the past, obviously, when they've won the Champions League and things. But in terms of the club being run as a whole, the thing that Leon's been, I guess, put on a pedestal for is the fact all the investments going into the women's game, the influence of Gerard Houllier in the past as the director of that, and the fact that Olas has wanted to give, you know, equal training standards you know, how many games a season that the women play at Group Armour Stadium, etc., with massive crowds, that sort of thing. Leon have always been known for their women's team alongside the success of the men's team. And for this to crown them the same light from, you know, the fact that women's and the men's team are run by the same management is um, is truly really disappointing, especially with some of the comments he's made. I'm just I've got the article open here, he's saying stuff like it's not personal, it's only business. Um, he'd said comments and then said that he'd blame the coach. Um, I think it's Sonia Buster Poor, I could be wrong in that. Um, Tom's not in, so yes, um, yeah, not too far off from that story. Thank you, but even still, you know, this isn't something that a competent management of a football club, a football club the size of Olympic Lyonnais, should even be dealing with. I know there's been things in the past like the European Super League and, um, English clubs using the furlough scheme and thing like that for the staff. But at this moment in time, we're talking about a human's rights. I've mm-hmm. checked the French maternity leave law. It's 26 weeks. So that's half a year. They've not respected that. They've not respected her as a mother, you know, going through the fact she wanted to be in comfortable surroundings, 
wanted to be with a family, wanted to have doctors that, you know, she understood, obviously, is coming from Iceland. She's not going to understand the French language. Just the whole way they've dealt with it beyond the fact that she's obviously not been paid what she deserves, the way she's been treated, it's it just doesn't do anything for the football club and it doesn't do anything for a management that's already offside with the fans. It's even further offside with the fans. Yeah, I think the, the thing is, it's just there was a great opportunity to be some of the forefronts there and, and really go forward and say... Um, we're really proud to support our player and we're going to celebrate her pregnancy. And um, she can then come out a few months later and do a completely different article, maybe not for Players Tribune because Tribune usually tackles with players who, um, you know, uh, there's a great article from Alexander Pato and so on about how he suffered with injuries and so on. So it's more on the, we suffered and we want to explain our story, but maybe she comes out on social media a few months later and says, oh, I was really happy to have the support from the club, and I'm sure Amel Majri will probably do the same. Maybe not now that this story has come out, but would have done the same and said, "Oh, I'm really happy with the support I got." So that would have not only, you know, showed a really good example, um, helped the image of the club, but also told other players that in case you do want to uh, have a pregnancy uh, and there is a possibility of going to Olympic Lyonnais, that is something you can consider and it's a safe place to go to. And I think that's the only way forward for the women's game anyway, is that you don't see many women getting pregnant during their, their time. And that's completely fair. And you know, not many athletes do that, but knowing that it's a safe place and that OL is on the forefront of that would have been a really good thing forward. Now we just look stupid. Um, Ponso looks terrible once again. And um, hopefully this means we get more change. Like we got possibly change with Legrette. Obviously, it's not the same accusations, but it's also still wrongdoings um, at a higher stake. So hopefully we get change, but I don't see this doing much other than just being a bad PR exercise for, for the club. Yeah, I think it's a continuous circle of toxicity that continues to surround the club, whether it be on the women's side, the men's side, the length of the takeover coming through players struggling whatever nothing's going right at this moment in time but this is just a this is just a whole of a situation that a football club the size of Olympic Leon here that's astounded for its known for its excellence in the women's game this should be at the forefront of this and the fact that it's the same management that we talk about on a daily basis on a weekly basis at fault for it. It just makes you sure that beyond being incompetent from a football side of things, they're also incompetent from a moral standpoint as well. So I agree. Hopefully change comes in and that Texter brings in a new dawn. But from his comments speaking in English to the um to the French press, I wasn't I wasn't too um too hopeful on that front. But hopefully we can um, see things change. Has anyone else got anything else before we wrap the episode up? Let's get, silence <laughs> let's get some results soon. Hopefully, yeah. Um, oh, go on, let's finish off on a match prediction. I know we've got the cup game at the weekend. Oh, good. Um, how you do might you get a positive see... result out of Jonathan this time round? <laughs> might. Yeah, is Chambéry Savoie we're playing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not too far off uh, Lowell. It's, um, I guess, close to a derby. They're, they're in the mountains, so it's only an hour away. Um, so, would be good the to win. closest thing we're going to get to a derby this season. No, um, 
Clamwell's relatively close as well, but yes. Clamwell's a long drive, no? It's it's not too far off. I think it's like two hours. Um, but well, Chambéry is a lot closer, that's for sure. Go on, let's, well, while you're on the mic, Tom, what, what are you thinking? Do we go? 2-0 win. 2-0. Okay, and you, Jonathan? We got to win. I mean, this is a, <laughs> this is what, a, a fourth, fifth division club? Yeah. Actually, National 3. Yeah, uh, that's I mean, far. That's yeah, yeah, four or five. Yeah, yeah, fifth division. Five. So you know, um, <laughs> we got to win. We got to win. Cup. <laughs> um, we we're gonna win. There's just no way. I don't even know a score because I, <laughs> I don't know. I can't predict anything anymore. But it should be a comfortable win. But it will be important to see what Blanc does as a lineup. Typically, a match like this is when you start Barcola, you start the young players, and give them opportunity to to get real minutes here in this match. So. If you don't get minutes in this match, if he really puts his best eleven, that shows how how much trouble really the club is in. Yeah, this should be a chance to give even players like Saar that we've seen Kumberdi, give him more more minutes. So hopefully you'd see that along with a positive victory. I'm gonna go four one. Um, we've not been treated to goals really since the win against Brest. So hopefully we can. Um, we can see a decent performance and something to get excited for because really, if we're looking from any standpoint, any success Leon has this season is in this competition. So fingers crossed we can we can mention through with a three not three points, a, a, a passage to the next round. Uh Tom, you just want to mention something on Florida Silver before we wrap yeah. up. Well Florida Silver has obviously gone out on loan, as we've mentioned before, to, to Volendam or Flo Sanchez de Silva be more precise and he scored his first goal on the weekend nice. um, he's been playing really well according to, to to my sources out in Volendam we've got a nice French guy who's now uh, I've assigned myself as um, the reporter on Florida Silva as he goes to most games so he's now been assigned by uh, my own doing as the reporter on Florida Silva's progress and it seems like it's going well Hopefully it doesn't go too well, otherwise it means that honing and go down. But um, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's all good, positive experience for him. And um, it's a nice, tidy finish on the second post in the box. So good for him to get a goal, and uh, hopefully we get to see him soon. Um, on the other hand, uh, if we don't get someone like Araoj in the group, uh, someone was mentioning this earlier, we might get another case of young players leaving the club because they're not trusted and it would be really big shame to miss out on that Auge. So hopefully we see him at least on the bench, if not get some minutes in the cup this week. Agreed. It's always nice to see young players doing well, especially in the top flight as well. Obviously, Volendam being in, in the top flight of Dutch football, I'd agree with El Arouche as well. Hopefully we see him. If I, you would possibly say starting against a fifth division club, you would think he's premium for that level considering OL's amateur team play down in that level as well. So uh, fingers crossed for a for a passage through to the next round and hopefully Florida Silver continues to impress out in Holland. Um, obviously, we hope things change at the top two, but all we can do is continue to voice our concerns and hope that things do change and that they do listen, whether that does happen unlikely um but as always thanks for joining us and listening um continue to share the podcast if you've got any topics you want us to discuss be sure to get in touch and we'll catch you on the next one cheers guys bye